I loved the subtle vibrations the tweezers gave when you did not get the kidney out right. <laughs> Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 115 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, the captain of copper-lined coffee mugs, <laughs> the one and only Dr. Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the hell are you today? I'm doing well, my friend. Uh, like I uh, think we talked about off-air, I'm doing a little better this week, a little less persnickety than I was last week. And uh, no, doing well, enjoying the heat, enjoying the end of summer. You? Doing great, and, and I'm glad you're less persnickety this week. I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, there's an organization in our industry that's never going to make you persnickety, Kirby. Do you know who that is? Who's that, Bill? So glad you asked. That'd be the good people at CommonSkew. We talk about their software platform, but I don't think we do a good enough job of really digging down just real briefly into it that you know creates that modern experience with the project portals to keep your clients in the loop. Those online proof approvals that you know, really it's a one click. It eliminates so much, so many of the lengthy email chains we all hate. And those customizable client forms. Let me ask you, Kirby, what is your favorite feature that we don't talk about enough of the, uh, of the portal? Yeah, I, I think the thing that's kind of evolved for me is the ability for me sort of to work with the rest of my team on projects, whether it's collaborating on ideas or Emily, who's my assistant and certainly my right hand. Uh, when I'm working with a client, I leave that client meeting, I can get her started and we can work together and collaborate inside a project and never miss a beat. That is super, super powerful from my perspective. Yeah, that really is. And, and what's so great about it is CommonSkew, the software was designed with teams in mind so right. that, you know, Possum and Marketing and other companies like you could collaborate internally and pass off the workflow to others and give management visibility into what other people are working on and allow sales teams to collaborate so you can get those ideas generated faster, right? We need to be exactly. responsive. So I know there's a lot of people out there very interested in CommonSkew and gosh darn it. Why wouldn't they be? Right. So they need to go head over to commonskew.com slash unscripted. Look into it. There's a lot of great information there. And I guarantee you, you will not be sorry you did. Kirby, are you ready to broadcast at a aluminum level today? <laughs> I will do my best, my friend. I'm ready to rock. Why don't you go ahead and start us off with the topic this week? Okay, cool. So, you know, I think... Something that is certainly trending right now, something that everybody seems to be talking about, and so we might be tone deaf, as you would say, if we didn't bring it up, is Nike's new Just Do It campaign. Obviously, we're a marketing and branding podcast, and they are featuring uh, Colin Kaepernick, and it's certainly generated plenty of discussion. Um, and I, you know, they essentially have said something as a picture of Kaepernick. And they've said, look, if you want to uh, stand up for something, sometimes you have to give up, sacrifice everything. Yep. Um, and I certainly have some thoughts on this, but I had a feeling that you probably had seen or heard a little bit about this, and I wanted to get your take. Uh, I have, and I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's a really interesting topic. Um, so I have seen it. and. Okay. So, you know, again, Kaepernick is a lightning rod, whether you think he is some sort of disenfranchised quarterback who the NFL is colluding against to keep him out because he kneels for the national anthem or whatever, regardless of whatever you think of him, yeah. regardless of whatever you think of him, it really doesn't matter because, um, 
you're getting people to talk about it. So if I'm in the marketing department at Nike, I'm pretty pleased with the buzz this has created. Now, what I will say, I think it's a little too one-dimensional for me. Um, I think Nike really missed the boat. And where I think they missed the boat is when you start using the word sacrifice, Mm. Um, I think I think you automate people start automatically thinking about um, soldiers and things like that, and so I, I do believe that that uh, Kaepernick has sacrificed for what he believes in, and, and I'm not going to get into where I stand on that because I don't need people getting pissed at me on one side or the other. People are pissed <laughs> at me, and people are pissed at me enough anyway. <laughs> and but they have plenty I, of reasons, right? And they, oh, the, I can't <laughs> even count how many reasons they should be pissed at me. But here, here's what I would say. I think as a broader campaign, it would have been super effective for Nike to take Colin Kaepernick. And then you take, so you have his picture. And yes, he's standing up for what he believes in, whether you agree with it or not. And he, it looks like he sacrificed maybe his NFL career. Maybe. Possibly. Right. But I did see almost, it was a parody of it, kind of, you know, some people on, on one side of the aisle get really pissed off and they're all upset about, you know, Colin Kaepernick and he shouldn't be kneeling for the anthem and all that but there was a very clever parody of it with pat tillman mm. um who uh you know was a a safety yep. for the uh, arizona cardinals and after 9 11 he was compelled and moved to join the service and, and join the fight uh against terrorism and uh talk about someone who made the ultimate sacrifice he did um he died you know yeah it was friendly fire but i mean he died you know defending the fact that you know our our country, so I think Nike missed the boat because I think they could have really wedged Kaepernick along with some other people who have really given sacrifices as well. To think that, um, let's take it on face value. To take that Colin Kaepernick um, gave the ultimate sacrifice or gave uh, sacrificed everything. I think is the exact phrasing. Sacrificed everything for standing up what he believes in. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. I, I don't know if that's a definitive yet because, right. I, I, like I said, I think earlier, I I don't know if he's just a shitty quarterback who can't get a job. <laughs> you know, I mean, I right. look at the I look at the Dallas Cowboys backup situation. I don't think I would mind Kaepernick. The dude took his team to a playoff to to right. a Super Bowl. So I don't. You know, bottom line from a branding perspective, I think it's genius. Um, but I do think there were some missed opportunities. Yeah, I mean, by a very quick um, article that I read on LinkedIn this morning, it talks about that they are uh, they've raked in more than forty three million dollars worth of coverage, most of yeah. it neutral or positive. It's fascinating to me though because it depends on where you what headline you read. Sure. Um, one headline says that it's a disaster for Nike and everybody's going to stop buying it, which I think is an overreaction. Uh, yeah. um, but then other people think it's it's brilliant, and I think what's interesting is. I think it's a study in knowing your market mm-hmm. because I think that what I read was about 75% of Nike's purchases are coming from 35 and under. Right. And that audience is going to be more open to this than mm-hmm. say you and I. Right. Um, and I think that is maybe from my perspective, the lesson that comes out of this, that you just go, it's important to know the playground and the sandbox that you're playing in. And Nike understands that. Well, no question. They also understood that this was going to set off a lightning storm. And so if anyone thinks that using Colin Kaepernick and using the phrasing of giving a sacrifice or, you know, uh, whatever it was, uh, you know, whatever the phrasing was, sacrificing everything, I think it was, um, they absolutely knew 
they're trying to pull people off sides. Right. That was the goal. The goal was to have people talking about it. Um, we're talking about it on this platinum level award winning <laughs> podcast. So That's right. I'm sure in in uh, Oregon, our podcast came up during the discussion. <laughs> hey, how can we get, how can we get those two yuck monkeys in the promotional products <laughs> industry to talk about Nike and this Colin Kaepernick thing? I love so it. well done, Nike. Well done, Phil Knight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, man. All right. So um, I don't know if you saw this. ASI, the Advertising Specialty Institute, had a very interesting article come out um, last week about Gen Z and the promo products industry. Did you see this at all? No. All right. So let me let me give you a, a little bit of background and then kind of want to chat, chat with you a little bit. Okay. So um, right now, Gen Z represents about a quarter of the population in the United States, about 83 million. Okay. They are estimated right now to have between forty-four billion to two hundred billion in spending power, and that's factoring in parental influence. Okay. okay. So Gen Zs, as we've talked about, and, and obviously we both have kids who are Gen Zs, or high schoolers, college students, and then now now just entering the workforce. Okay. And so this article really focused on how to sell to how to sell to Gen Z. And it was very interesting. So they focused on the doing good aspect. And you and I have covered that before, that you mm-hmm. know, Gen Z wants to do good. I'm not sure it's as much as people think, given yeah. uh, given what Jade and, and Drew and Mitch talked about on the Delivering Marketing Joy. But yep. there's part of that. But focus on doing good, a personal sales approach, mm-hmm. using different methods of communication, and um, feeding their entrepreneurial ambitions. Hmm. Okay. But the biggest one that jumped out at me. So to me, that was very, okay, yeah, got it. Makes sense, whatever. The big one was how they want to create a broader marketing experience to using promo. And I think that's fascinating because I think it's something you and I have talked about where being a distributor, that's where I would take my my company to create a broader marketing experience but have promo as part of the mix. Right. How can we, Not let's take it from a ground level. How can you best do that as Hosman Marketing? So how yeah. do you create... A broader marketing experience, but wedge and promo into it because that is I do I do believe that is the future of our industry. Yeah, no, I I think it makes a ton of sense, and and it's I tell you what I've read several things. I just want to give a quick shout out from ASI here recently where I've thought that their stuff was really insightful, and um, I read something last week and commented on Twitter. I think they're putting out some good content, and so kudos. They, they um, are. They're doing a great job, and Michelle Bell and her team really fantastic job. Yeah. Um, so this is really interesting to me, and I think it does go to experiential marketing, which you and I have been talking about. Um, and I think that um, by rolling all of uh, rolling our product or the, our offering into creating a memorable experience is not only good business, but it's the way people remember things because no it's it creates an emotional attachment. How can we do it? I think yeah. it's it's about thinking from ten thousand feet. Um, and going, okay, how do I roll this into a kit or a package for my clients and say, all right, we're going to create a golf outing. Obviously, you know, of, of the sort of the golf outing experience we did recently, mm-hmm. brand fuel mm-hmm. and Danny Rosen and his whole team do an amazing sure. job with this stuff. Um, but I think it's about going, okay, what is it my client is trying to accomplish and how can we create an entire experience around it? A, it's going to be way better for your client, but B, it's going to help promotional products, distributor sales. Agreed. Can I add to that, though? Because yeah, I, I, sure. I, I agree with everything you said, but I think maybe there's a component that I don't know if you missed, but I, and because I, I think you think about it, but I think it's one that needs to be more in the forefront. 
what emotion do you want the end uh, user to feel when they get they yes. open the gift, right? Yes, I love that. That's I like starting with that in mind. So I'm at a golf tournament. And I want the people who are there feel like this is the most kick-ass promo, or they, this is the um, most thoughtful uh, promotional product I've ever received. Or if you start thinking in those terms, you it's very it's, it gets easier to create that experience. You want them yeah. to experience joy, delight, surprise, happiness. Um, uh, maybe social responsibility, whatever you want them to think about. If you start with that in mind, I do think you you it's a really it's really much easier to create that broader marketing experience because mm-hmm. if you and you focus on that distribution. If you start at the distribution point, what is that experience like? How is it unboxed? I mean, we think about when yeah. you get an uh, iPhone, right? The first iPhone you had, that box just sliding on out. I mean, mm-hmm. how cool that was. And it's just a box. This is where Org Audio's knocked it out of the park. Yes. Because their packaging is so retail inspired. I mean, I know, for example, like if you have the um, their their uh, top of the notch uh, headphones. I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, the the, uh, the Rhapsody or the, the Rhapsody? Yes, yep. the Rhapsody. They spent on just the packaging alone five dollars a package. Yeah, they're, okay. and, they're, and it shows. I, I have them sitting over right, like literally within twenty five feet of me because yeah. they're so badass, and I don't even they like are. take them out of the package because they're so cool. <laughs> it, it, they are cool, but they get that. And so if you start again thinking um, with the that that distribution point in mind, that experience in mind, yeah. I think that's how we can all do a better job in the promotional products industry, creating that broader marketing experience. So, I, yeah, I love that that concept. And then, yeah, pic- picturing the moment that they open it mm-hmm. is that's powerful. I like that a lot. Yeah, and then what do they walk away with? What do they yeah. feel? Exactly. All right, I like Kirby? that a lot, bro. Kirby, fire another one at me. Coming at me. Okay, uh, so I want to give some more shout-outs. This is kind of the, the podcast of shout-outs today. So, well, you're kind of sucking up to everybody today, aren't I you? I am, I am. Well, you're pissing everybody off. I'm sucking up to everybody. You know, I believe Josette Bossy, who works at Bay State, she says our, this is how she compares us, that, you know, there's the uh, the sponge you have on your sink, and one side's yellow and soft, the other side's <laughs> green and, and, and scruffy. You're the yellow side of the sponge. I'm the green Thank side you. of the sponge, yeah. <laughs> All right, this so is, go ahead. This is why I like Josette, too. Um, so, uh, Geiger, uh, recently, I think it was just like yesterday, a couple days ago, did an event, uh, promo yoga. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so they had like a hundred people participate in this yoga event and they raised money for a, uh, to support veterans. And it was a very cool way. I thought of actually what made me thought of is, wow, what a fun event, right? What's that feeling? That, that you want to create, they, right. they, they used our platform, whether it was promotional products or just the power of the company to raise money. I'm like, A, awesome job, just event done well. But it also tied, from my perspective, to the entire Promo Cares initiative, where yeah. we're like, how do we use our platform to do good? And yeah. so I thought that was really cool. Um, and I, I, I love to see more of that sort of thing. And so I wanted to get your take. Yeah, I, I did see that. I think it's a great thing. Um, you know, Geiger continually pushes those type of initiatives forward, which, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Gene Geiger and his team there. So, so it's definitely kudos to them. I, I do think you're going to see more and more component of that social good and more more of that. Um, it just creates that work environment, I think, that people want to be at. You know, you and I talked about many times, you know, we've created, hopefully, created work environments where people want to come to work. 
Right. Um, and, and I like that. And, and so I think the fact that they did that and, again, used our products and created some, some delight within their team members and in the community I think is a great thing. And, and I think as uh, time goes by, you're going to see more and more people doing that. I think you're right. Yeah, and I don't think this is something we need to belabor the point, but I do want to just say, you know, nice job. I want to, I just love it when I see stuff like that in the industry. So kudos. Yep, kudos, kudos. All right, um, Kirby. So you are familiar with the um, Budweiser Dilly Dilly campaign. <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah. So promo marketing asked a pretty interesting question, um, and I and I want to talk to you about it. I did. I actually just read the headline and moved on. Okay. So just because I, I wanted to keep my mind pure of the topic. All right. So Dilly Dilly was very, very successful, right? Budweiser yep. has a great track record of creating wonderful marketing campaigns that somehow become part of, part of pop culture, whether it's the Budweiser frogs or it's uh, Spuds McKinsey or whatever. They do a really nice job with it, and Dilly Dilly has taken, you know, had, had really taken uh, quite quite a big f a foot in uh, yeah. pop culture. But then the International House of Pancakes decided to change their name to the International House of Burgers. Yep. And that fell flatter than a pancake, pun intended. Yes. Um, why was Dilly Dilly so successful? And why was International House of Burgers such a flop? So I just want to give you, the in the interest of transparency, I did read this article. I thought it was a really well-written article, and it was uh, cool. some cool takes on it. Um, mm -hmm. And I had some similar takes on the idea of the Dilly Dilly. And I would say, so when I first saw the Dilly Dilly ad, I didn't like it. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was juvenile, and I didn't get it. And the reality of it is I'm not the target market for that ad because I'm probably no. a little, little older, and I'm a craft beer guy. I don't like Bud Light. Right. Um, but, you know, the first so I went to this Ragnar race where a bunch of promo uh, guys went and ran this adventure race and it became like this thing that everybody was yelling dilly dilly. Right. And I started to immediately recognize the brilliance. And um, the other thing I'd say about Bud Light is they have the cash. And they've yeah. always had the cash to repeatedly beat something into our mental and cultural uh, mindset. Right. And they've done that with this. I thought the first ad was whatever. But right. I thought the brilliance of it was like the subsequent ads. Like not like a lot of the follow-up ads I thought were really funny. And uh, making this whole kingdom and around the idea of Bud Light I thought was funny. Um, on, the, on the IHOP side... Uh, the pushback, uh, sir, that's I, I hob. I yeah. hob. <laughs> right. I'd say the pushback I'd give you is everybody's saying about how that was such a, a colossal failure, but we just earlier in the podcast talked about, hey, everybody's talking about Nike. Right. And because they're talking about Nike, there's value. When was Twitter talking about IHOP in the past? Right? So the, uh, an entire week spent trashing them for their marketing campaign was also... Yeah a whole amount of time where they were at the top of mind when in, in with an audience that they weren't. And so, I don't know, that's that's sort of my take on that. It, it is somewhat of a victory for IHOB or IHOP or whatever the hell it is. Here, <laughs> here's my take on it. Again, like I said, I purposely didn't read the article. I will since you said it was well-written, and I have yep. no doubt that it was. I think Dilly Dilly works on a number of levels just because it's fun to say. It, it is fun to yep. say. I'm sorry, but it is. It is. You're right. It's like calling you a good time player, man. It's fun to say, so I say it. <laughs> so Dilly Dilly is fun to say, and it's memorable. And it's yep. something that has zero meaning, but yet everybody has attached their own personal meaning to it. There's something there. 
Yeah. There's something really in, uh, brilliant and intelligent there. Second, I think why the International House of Pancakes, Burgers, whatever the hell it is, is kind of regarded as a flop. I don't like it because you're changing who you are. You're right. good at pancakes. You're really good at pancakes. In fact, you're so damn good at pancakes, you decided to name your restaurant after it. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't go to IHOP for burgers. Right. It's a worldview thing. And you know how I feel about worldviews. You're not going to change my worldview on things. I am never going to think, you know, kind of thinking <laughs> I want a burger. Hey, anybody up for IHOP? No. <laughs> no. It's just it doesn't work in my bill brain, and I yeah. don't think my bill brain is that much different than anybody else's brain when it comes to this type of thing. Yeah, it doesn't work. Whereas the dilly dilly, it's true to their brand. It's fun. It's silly, and it it reinforced that everybody loves Bud Light, whether you do or not. It's irrelevant. The IHOP yeah. one, it's just stupid. It's like all of a sudden um, KFC saying, "Hey, we're selling tacos." Yeah, want, that's right. Do you want, do you want tacos? Because we're really good at tacos. And I don't. Yeah. He, he, there's a certain understated intelligence and brilliance staying in your lane and yeah. maximizing what you do. Well, and let me just say, the, the like I said, the follow up and the subsequent stuff was my favorite. So, so like, and I don't know if you heard about this, but a I think it was a uh, microbrewery in Minnesota, Bud Light. They, they named their double IPA Dilly Dilly. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and then Bud Lights, instead of just sending them a crappy cease and desist mm-hmm. letter, they sent a, a, what do they call those? A people? town crier. Yeah, a town crier with scrolls yeah. <laughs> and who stayed completely in character and essentially said, hey, we appreciate it, and then gave them Super Bowl tickets. I mean, it was yeah. so cool. Well, I mean, it was stuff like that that you just go, all right, I tip my cap to them. That's yeah, really, the, really the, smart. The people who run marketing over at, at, at uh, Anheuser-Busch, the, the ad agency that they use, and the powers that be – I'll get it because there's a certain amount of risk to doing that. And, and, you know, the IHOP thing just feels so weak in comparison. So fair. Kirby, are you ready to go into a fantastic, outstanding round of fill in the blank? I am. I'm excited to do it, my friend. Awesome. Well, you know who's uh, sponsoring fill in the blank? It's our good, good, good friends at Gold Star. Nice. Uh, As you know how much I love that ever smooth ink from them. I do. And they have that simplicity, that buying process made easy. There's nothing more I like than people removing friction from the sales process to make it easier for people to get what they want. They've got that free 24 to 48 hour turnaround uh, production time on all their popular styles. They got the largest standard imprint of any writing instruments, not pens, writing instruments, Kirby. No additional fees. And they've got that deep inventory. So, you know, go ahead and sign up. Go to unscript or goldstarpens.com slash unscripted. Get a free simplicity starter kit. Understand what the buzz of writing instruments from Gold Star is all about. Channel your inner Kenny Ved. <laughs> Love and, it. And get yourself a free simplicity starter kit. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. And Kirby, will they be sorry that they did? They will not be sorry they did. Awesome. Um you want to go first? Or sure. You want me to go first. All sure, right. Is it a theme? Do we have a theme this week, Kirby? It, you know, not really. Uh, so okay. it's just, it, but it it all makes sense. I hope. So, your favorite board game as a kid was? 
Oh, I'd have to say Operation the Wacky Doctors game, Kirby. <laughs> I love it. Um, I loved the subtle vibrations the tweezers gave when you did not get the kidney out right. Um, <laughs> now, I always thought that was fun because I, I never had the steadiest of hand. I was never uh, going to be a surgeon. That's for darn sure. I always liked that game. That was a fun game. Monopoly usually ended up in way too many fights. Yeah. So um, I'm going to have to go ahead and say that. Maybe Yahtzee. But no, let's go ahead with... Uh, Oh, maybe hungry, hungry hippos. Hungry, no, hungry hippos. Let's, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and roll with Operation the Wacky Doctors game. Love it. You're up, Kirby. You would describe the first time you ever had a cup of coffee as gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think my dad was a big coffee drinker, and he trained me. You know, when I first had a black cup of coffee, it just was not great for me uh but he was like yeah he, try it with the sugar and plenty of cream and cut it down right. and so he made it in such a way that uh that it was appealing to me you gotta understand my dad is such a big coffee drinker that when yeah. i grew up he used to have breakfast when he had breakfast it was coffee soup which Ooh. was crackers with coffee poured over top of it oh my lord <laughs> that is so wrong no 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 never totally. never 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 coffee soup Coffee soup. So let me make sure I understand this. Your dad yep. loved coffee so much he would get saltine crackers. Is this yeah, I believe it was saltine. I was saltine a kid. Saltine so, crackers, yeah. put them in a bowl, and then pour coffee over it and eat that as some sort of whacked out breakfast cereal. That's correct. All right, that'll be the podcast for this week, everybody. I think we've hit everything we can. Wow, that is maybe the weirdest thing. Look, this is coming from a guy whose favorite sandwich is peanut butter and salami. So when I tell you a food thing is weird, that is weird. <laughs> it is, but that's it's it's funny. I haven't even thought about that in a long time. But yeah, that that was early early Kirby days. Wow. Yeah, I don't even know how to process that. Go ahead and go to your next one. <laughs> okay. When you uh, think about sitting around a campfire, you think of? S'mores. Who doesn't nice. think about s'mores when they're sitting around a campfire? Nice. Right? I like it. Um, yeah. But here's the thing, and I know this will shock you. I have an opinion on how a s'more should properly be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People who light their marshmallows on fire should seriously be deported. You can... <laughs> You can take time and toast them properly so there's a nice golden crust on the outside, right? Yeah. And then right in the inside, it's gooey. And then you take that two, those two slices of graham cracker and you put the, the Hershey chocolate between there, and it makes just a beautiful sandwich. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. S'mores all the way. Love it. Kirby, if you had to give up coffee every morning, you would drink blank. That's a good one. I think uh, I probably would go. My my initial reaction would be Mountain Dew. Uh, Mountain Dew. Yeah, that shit uh, looks like nuclear waste. I'm it, sorry, I'm out. It, yeah. Well, but but the only thing I would say is the reality of it is most of the time when I'm out of coffee, I don't have like another caffeinated okay. drink. So really, water. Like I actually, that's probably my go-to is like just getting hydrated actually gives me energy. So okay. actually, it, it's it, it's a little bit incongruent, but that's probably what I would do. No, that's good. All right. All right. You've lived all over the country. I have. The best part of living in the South is? Oh, the, the people. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, living in the South, there's nothing like living in the South. 
Um, I noticed that my accent's gotten a little thicker since I moved back down south after living 15 years back up north. And mm-hmm. I, the people, it's it's the simple things. It's the fact that, um, you know, yes, sir, no, ma'am. Yep. It's, it's that type of stuff that I really, really love about living in the south. It's just good people. Not that there's not good people in the northeast and, and mid Midwest. There's great people everywhere. It's just as a general rule, it's, it's a small town mentality in the south. I love it. Yeah, so. I dig it. I dig it. All right, Kirby, the amount of caffeine you need every morning to get your day started is blank. The amount, give it to me again, the amount of? The amount of caffeine you okay. need every morning yeah, to get I, your day started. Yeah, so what I would say, Bill, is I am a creature of habit. You know that. So mm-hmm. my routine is two cups of coffee. That's it. So, um, I, again, I mentioned earlier, right? My dad yeah. drank coffee all day long. Yeah, and weird. Yeah, and so, that, and I was like, ah, I don't know that I want to be sort of addicted to it like that. And so I do two cups of coffee. It kicks off my day. And then I don't really drink coffee at all the rest of the day. So just two cups. I'm good. So fair enough. All right, Kirby. So the first coffee maker you ever owned was a... Probably a Mr. Coffee. I mean, Mr. I'm not. Mr. Coffee. Yeah, I'm not super fancy. Uh, we got a Keurig a while ago, and I actually really struggle with that. I've gone back really? to Mr. Coffee. I'm just really? like, yeah, I just make a pot of coffee, just the old-fashioned way. It's just then I have my two cups of coffee and call it a day. Kirby, that's what I like about you. You're a common man. All right, <laughs> let's do a little rapid fire okay, around I love coffee. It. All, right, All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, Kirby. Type of bean: Arabica or Robusta? Robusta. Grande or Vente? Grande. Black or cream and sugar? Cream and sugar. Percolated or French press? Percolated. Cold brew or iced coffee? Uh, uh, hot coffee. Why? No, cold why? brew or iced coffee. It's <laughs> a very simple. Pick one. It's the, neither. Like, I, no. I, I've literally never you, had either. I I've literally you, never had either. I don't, I don't know how to answer it. I give you two choices. You pick one or the other. It's so easy. I can I really, I've never had either one. Let's just one. move on. Let's just <laughs> move on. For the, for the love of all things holy, let's move on. Okay. Oh. Espresso or Cafe Cubano? Espresso. Macchiato or latte? Latte. Starbucks or Caribou Coffee? Caribou Coffee. A chai latte or a mocha? Uh, mocha? I, got, like, I, I drink coffee, but mocha. Let's go okay. with that. Irish coffee? Or Jameson Irish whiskey. <laughs> Let's go with whiskey. Hey, that's the way I love it, Kirby. Do you know what else I love, Kirby? What's that, Bill? That'd be the good, good, good goods at Common Skew. Proud sponsor of this fine broadcast. I'm not sure how proud they are, but let's just assume <laughs> they are proud to be associated with this uh, silliness every week. Um, they really do have that perfect application for teams and really want to stress how well it helps teams not only communicate better from a workflow perspective, but also be far more efficient in working with their clients. So if you'd like to learn more, and gosh darn it, I know you do, go ahead yep. and head over to commonskew.com slash unscripted. You're not going to be sorry. You did, Kirby. It's been a struggle recording today. Um, we've had to cobble this one together. We've had some internet problems. But uh, as always, it's a pleasure speaking to the original Good Time Player Man. Yep. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at PromoCorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.